Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Chop Shop Sports. I'm joined today with a special guest, my good friend, Emily. How are you doing today, Emily? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, obviously, we're trying to expand what we, the content we produce uh, on the page. And I figured your experience of playing Division I basketball would be a great addition and people would be interested in the process of being recruited, uh, what it's like to be a Division One athlete. So I thought you'd be a great guest um, to have on the show. So I appreciate cool, you yeah. taking some time out of your busy schedule. No and, problem. <laughs> um, joining me. So uh, for starters, let's start with as an athlete and somebody that's – so you started playing basketball at what age? Uh, I'd say probably like six or seven, really early, like at the YMCA. Yep. Um, so what's it been like for you as an athlete, a lifelong athlete? You've obviously graduated. What's it been mm-hmm. like for you being cooped up um, during this quarantine? Um, it's actually, I don't know, it's been actually kind of fun for me in a way. I mean, I miss, because normally, I mean, I'm, I'm, I play pickup every once in a while, like now that I'm a retired basketball player, <laughs> but um, don't do as much basketball playing. But um, I, I was going to the gym a lot, so I miss like actually going to the gym. But now that I have all this free time, there's really not much to do. I've been running a lot more and like trying to be creative with like, workouts in my driveway or you know whatever trying to use household objects I guess to try to work out but it's been cool because I've like actually had time every single day to work out um which I don't normally have so yeah I've I've enjoyed it yeah this has definitely been for all those people who say I wish I had more time for the gym um we're seeing now do was it a a time thing or you know a mental blockage yeah like like your own (laughs) Yeah, you you just actually don't want to work out. Yeah, you can always find no another time. excuse. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, how has your mentality when it comes to working out changed post basketball? That's a really good question because during basketball, I like. I mean, obviously, I loved playing basketball. I played it in college, so like, obviously, you kind of have to love it. But I did not ever really enjoy the conditioning part of basketball. <laughs> I don't, I don't think, really think anyone. Does. I don't think anybody does. <laughs> yeah. But like I loved, I always looked forward to a weight training. So okay. um, now it's like I get to do my like I have my own schedule. I can I can lift weights when I want. I and I literally I don't think since since I finished playing basketball a year ago I have not run a sprint. Like and I will not <laughs> do it ever again. <laughs> Conditioning will never happen. Um, but yeah, so now it's fun. I get to like, you know like plan my own weight workout, which I never got to do before. I can throw in the exercises that I like and skip the exercises <laughs> that I don't. Um, and I just play basketball for fun now, which is really cool. So let's, let's take a step back. We talked a little post uh, career and we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. Let's go back to the high school days mm-hmm. and you had a unique situation. Uh, like me, we both went to small schools. So when did you start playing uh, varsity basketball? I started playing um, varsity basketball in seventh grade because my school was like a kindergarten through 12th grade. So um, we were allowed like by the, I don't know, the state laws or whatever you were allowed um, since it's the same, technically the same school you were allowed to start playing um, early. Um, And it kind of, I mean, I guess 
I was skilled enough, but it, it helped that our school was really small and that like the high school wasn't very big. It was the, the first year of the schools, like the first year of a varsity program at my high school. So, and my mom was a coach. So all those things helped. Um, but I, I guess I also, I don't know. I also had the skills too, I guess. So <laughs> yeah, it, it was kind of both. It was <laughs> so Emily's being modest. Uh, she's a year older than I am. So I was there for your regional, was it regional final game? Oh, at, at um, or regional semifinal. With the buzzer game. beater? Yeah, with the, yep. <laughs> I think it was actually the district semi. Um, but yeah, that was the first, the, our, my school's first ever, it was our first year with the varsity program. So it was our first ever district tournament. And yeah, that that buzzer beater uh, put us into the final, and then we ended up winning the final. So, so <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, don't be don't be modest and act like you know. Um, you you mentioned your mom being the coach, so oftentimes uh, there's a negative stigma with players whose parents are the coach uh, getting unfair treatment. And I will put it on record as saying that was not true. You were definitely the best player <laughs> on your team when you were in seventh grade. But let's talk a little bit about what it's like playing for a parent uh, that can mm-hmm. go one of two ways. I know for me, my dad was always significantly harder on me and little mistakes I would make were not okay versus if somebody else made them. So what was that like? What was the dynamic like with you and your mom while you're um, playing? Yeah. So, I mean, my mom and I have a great relationship like outside of the court, you know, off, off the basketball court, but, um, as my coach, she was just always my coach. So growing up at the YMCA, she was my coach. And then in like elementary, middle school, playing travel basketball, she coached me. And so then, you know, I got to high school. It was just kind of, it was normal. Like I was used to it. I, I, I didn't expect anyone else to be my coach. I didn't want anyone else. Um, so we always had a good relationship on the court. I mean, I think she may have, she definitely expected more from me than, than the other girls, just cause I was, I don't know, I was capable of more, I guess. But um, yeah, sometimes she would she would get on me more than the other players. But overall, I mean, I'm just so thankful to have had to have had her as my coach. Um, and yeah, looking back, those are like some of my favorite memories. So. Was there ever a time where a turnover or a bad loss would carry over um, to an awkward car ride home or a, <laughs> or a long discussion? Uh, you were obviously um... a level-headed player. <laughs> But I remember yeah. I would get into some antics on the court and exchange words or act in a way that a player shouldn't, and that would lead to awkward car rides home. <laughs> Did you ever have any situations like that? I don't think it ever got to, like, the point of a conversation or, like, yelling or, or like, nothing carried over because, like, I just wouldn't let it get to that point. So if I knew that, you know, I had a bad game or or just we our team played poorly I would definitely I'd choose to ride home from the game with my dad <laughs> instead of riding home with my mom like in the team bus like she always had to drive it so yeah so sometimes I definitely chose to ride home with dad <laughs> you you mentioned a little bit about the AU circuit and obviously mm-hmm. that has been put on hold this year so I feel bad for all the players especially the juniors yeah that's so tough. Um, going out getting exposure when did you start playing travel basketball I started playing travel basketball for like a very small local team that my mom, I think my mom just started it or we branched off of um, another local program. Anyway, I think that was in um, third grade. Oh, wow. I started playing, but it was, there weren't very, there aren't a whole lot of other third graders playing. So um, I played up on a fifth grade team, I think. So technically, yeah, it was a fifth grade team. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, but that's when I started. So playing against fifth graders when you're in third grade probably helped as you got older. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Cause I, I was always, I mean, for a third grader, I was, I mean, I'm pretty tall. So, um, as a third grader, I was tall, but I wasn't taller than the fifth graders. So at that point I got to be a guard. So I was a guard for our team. And that's where I learned my guard skills was like third, fourth, fifth grade when I was actually, I was playing up, but I was one of the shorter girls. Um, and then I ended up playing a guard in college. So that, that really, um, that early development, early guard development really helped me, um, later on in my career. I can definitely see how that would be a use, a useful skill. A lot of players, um, I know in the men's game, they're in, you know, that 6'2 to 6'5 range that usually have to play forward in high school or center even at smaller schools feel cheated because they know if they want to play college, you're not tall enough to be a forward. Uh, and that's the case for you. You had to play probably the forward or center position for your high school team. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, because I was by far the tallest. Um, so, yeah, I I... I Oh, I think I ended up having to play some guard too, but I did play mostly um, like forward for high school. But then, I, I mean, I knew going to college, like I was, I was not as big or as strong as the centers and the forwards in college. So um, I knew I was going to have to play guard. So having those, that, those early, that early development, those early skills really, really helped me. <clears throat> so a question I'm sure a lot of young players have is at what point do you, at what point is it worth branching off from your local team with your friends and the easy travel because practice is down the street mm-hmm. to jump into a more regional team or statewide team uh, to get more exposure? You're playing with better players. You're going to bigger tournaments. Yeah. At what age did you switch to more of a regional team? So I actually – I didn't switch, I don't think, until my – that last summer, so that junior, junior. summer. Okay. Um, but my situation was pretty unique. I found um, a local team that was – we were good. So I, I played with – so I first started playing with my mom, and then I found another local team with other girls that were actually my age, not older. <laughs> and so then once I got into middle school, I started playing with them. Um, and we started going to travel tournaments or, like, exposure tournaments where colleges were there, like, really early, like – seventh eighth grade so I got a lot of yeah like a lot of early exposure we played up in those tournaments we always played in the top bracket we I mean we got destroyed but um it was good so like coaches saw me really early so I from yeah some from an early age like eighth grade I had some schools recruiting me just just because I was out there um and so I was never lacking the exposure so that was a reason not not like I, I decided to stay with that team Um, but then once I got to my junior year, um, I switched to a larger program out of Tampa just because I, I wanted, I, I, at this point I knew I was going to be playing in college. So I wanted to have more of that structure, um, have practices that were more focused on, I like how an actual college practice would be run, Mm -hmm. you know, staying in the hotel rooms with my team, um, just, and playing with other girls that were like-minded that, that, um, we're also going to be playing college basketball. So I don't know. I think it just depends on you personally, like how serious you are, I guess, about playing college basketball, Um, because it's okay to just play AAU and have fun. Just depends on what your goals are. That's a, in, like you mentioned, you're staying in hotels. It is a bigger financial commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, I likewise played on a team that was out of Tampa. So that was 
every weekend you'd be going, you'd practice Saturday, stay in the hotel Saturday night, practice again Sunday. Um, yep. So some AAU teams like mine, our practices weren't as serious or as needed. We had kids from all over the state, so not everybody was able to make it every weekend. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like those practices for you were actually like the college practices you ended up having? Having? Um, I would say it was definitely a step in that direction. So my local AAU team, I don't think we practiced at all. Like, I'm pretty sure we just showed up at tournaments and we didn't even, I, yeah, I don't think we really ever had practice, but so I knew I needed, I needed something because my high school, like my actual high school practices weren't really preparing me either. So we knew that we needed um, um, more structure and more tougher practices. So yeah, I'd say that they definitely were a step in the right direction, but I don't know. Nothing can really prepare <laughs> you for college practices fully. So uh, another question that I had, and obviously you mentioned getting recruited at a young age. What mm-hmm. did you do outside of playing tournaments that helped you get your name out there? And what were your communications when you were reaching out to schools, if at all? What, what did that look like for you? Um, so we would uh, – so I guess – started off like eighth ninth grade I would get these like questionnaires in the mail I'm sure you got some too yep. I, I don't know if they still do them or not but like you'd fill out the questionnaire with all of your your information like honestly I don't even remember maybe things you like to do I it was just trying to get to know you I guess um so I I got those and then I think once um there were some schools that that would call my my AU coach and that that were like more serious about me um you know, not, not that I had offers from them or anything, but just, just showing interest. Um, and so I went early, like sophomore year, I took a lot of unofficial visits just so to see campuses. And just because I didn't really have any idea of what kind of college experience I wanted, like I I knew I wanted to try to go division one, but that's really all I knew. Um, and so, yeah, and early, early on, I got, I got, um, onto campuses and I face-to-face met coaches, um, but then also, too, I went to a lot of elite camps. Okay. And so I think that's a good way. Like, I knew, like, I grew up a huge Michigan State fan. And I didn't really think I had a chance of playing there. But I was like, you know what? Let's just go. So I, you know, I went to that elite camp, um, went to some local sc- Florida school elite, Florida schools um, elite camps. Um, and so I think that's a good way to get, get the coaches. You can let coaches know that you're coming. And then they'll, they're excited to see you. Um and I guess that's not really happening probably this summer, but usually. <laughs> Definitely not happening this summer, um, but good for younger players um, that may be listening. Uh, <clears throat> good information for them to have. What was your balance when you're looking at schools? Were you looking uh, for rigorous academics, good conference play, a specific major? What were you looking at specifically when you would look at schools? I So I didn't really know what I wanted and and – looking back, it's just so funny, because I ended up, I mean, I, I made the perfect choice, and but at the time, it was like, I didn't really know. Um, I just wanted somewhere that I fit in, and somewhere that I got along with the coaches, and I got along with the other girls on the team, so um, yeah, academics, I mean, academics are always, were always really, really important to me, but like, I had some offers from Ivy League schools, but instead, I decided to go to New Mexico, so that wasn't like a huge determining factor, um, yeah, but I would just say it was more important for me 
to fit fit the the fit with the coaches and the fit with my teammates. And a so a question you mentioned you did go to choose New Mexico and you're from Florida, so mm -hmm. I know for me I I've heard of the school, but I was definitely shocked when I found out that you were going there. Um, yeah. What was it like going from a completely different, uh, probably a lesser known program? Although my understanding is their women's basketball program is one of the biggest, great fan base there. Um, but what was it like that tradition uh, transition going to a, for lack of a better word, like an obscure area um, mm -hmm. to continue playing basketball? Yeah. So. Honestly, well, when I first started getting recruited from them, I was like, what, what in the world? Like, why would I ever go out there? Because I, I mean, I knew I wanted to leave Florida just because I wanted, you know, to live yep. somewhere else, try something different, get out of the heat. Um, but I just never. <laughs> so I don't know. I The coaches were just so great, though. So I kept talking to them. And then finally, I went out to I think I went out on an unofficial visit. I was like, this place is incredible. Like I it was it was just so weird. But yeah, so. I don't know, people, when you think about New Mexico, some people don't even know that that's a state. <laughs> like, you you just don't, especially, like, in, on the East Coast. So, um, yeah, I just, I fell in love with the coaches and the team. And, yeah, they're, the women's team, I mean, they're really good now. But when I was getting recruited, they were just pretty average. But they got, they get, like, 5,000 fans a game. for And for women, that, at, at a non-Power 5 school, that's, like, unheard of. Um, they're always top 25 in attendance i think i was gonna country. say even for um, a power five school if you're not one of the elite power five programs um they're not yeah you do not get that many fans at all yeah something about special yeah, something special about it out in new mexico they love their women's basketball it's an awesome and i know that was important and that was cool for you to go from a small school um that didn't get yeah. a lot of fans on a regular basis to going to a school where you're getting now playing in front of 5,000 people or more every night um, must have been a cool. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah. And yeah, and I mean, I knew, yeah, growing up at a small school, I knew I wanted to get out and go to a big school. So, I mean, University of New Mexico, it's not as big as, I guess, some public schools, but I have like 30,000 people. So I was just so excited to see new faces every day. <clears throat> so now that we have gotten you from your recruiting, starting in third grade all the way to your commitment and signing day, what was the biggest mm -hmm. transition for you from the high school game where you were where you dominated and you were the best player not only on your team but the best player in the area or 1B in the area um for probably about 6 years uh what was it like going from that type of atmosphere to now college where you aren't necessarily the best player what was the biggest transition mm -hmm. for you there yeah, that's definitely really difficult. And I think it's, it's, this happens to every, everyone that transitions to college athletics, I'm sure. It's just the biggest change was the speed um, of the game and just the fact that literally everyone else is as good as you or better than you. So there's really, yeah, you mean you go from high school where you're the best player to college where it's like you hardly anything, there's just very, very um, little things that I guess, differentiate between the players. So, um, yeah, for me, the biggest thing was, like, I learned early on that my role wasn't going to be to be the scorer like I was in high school, or I certainly wasn't going to be the quickest defender. I had to find other ways where I could contribute to my team, um, you know, in practices or in games that 
it was just very different from my role in high school. And that school. seems to be a big downfall for players who, especially from smaller schools that think they're the best and think they're God's gift to basketball. And <laughs> yeah. now they're in a spot where they no longer can dominate and their pure skill doesn't carry them as far as it did and adapting to a role that will help the team that might not necessarily, you know, be what they wanted for me. It was going from a score and having the ball in my hand almost all game long to becoming a shooter. And I think you had a similar mm-hmm. role. So talk to me a little bit about what your mindset was in that changing of a role and becoming more of a team player. Not that you weren't a team player in high school, mm-hmm. but more of a team player and accepting a role that helped the team win. Yeah, so um, I guess – freshman year I was I had a pretty normal freshman year where I was just you know got normal minutes and I was like okay this is good if I work hard you know I think I can really be one of the top players here but then soon I realized that that really wasn't going to happen no matter how hard I worked um just you know with coaching and things like that but um for me I love basketball and I love um you know I wanted obviously I worked really hard and I'm competitive and I wanted to I wanted to you know be the best player but to me, it was way more important, my, like, how I fit on the team and my role, my teammates, like, I could have transferred somewhere and, you know, played more minutes, but to me, I just, I loved it at New Mexico and I wanted to stay, so I guess I just really found my role, I don't know, I, I just wanted to be, you know, whatever I could do to help the team, so that turned into me being our number one scout (laughs) team player, so that's, that's what I accepted, that's what I took on that role, and so, you know what, I was like, you know what, if I can't, if I'm not going to be, you know, getting a lot of minutes on the court, well, then I can sure help my team prepare for our next opponent well and, you know, go hard every single practice and, you know, be, be that scout team player. Um, and then, yeah, I think I really, too, when, when I did play, it was um, my coach knew that I, I was a smart player. And so he would put me in in situations where he knew I needed, like, we needed to run a certain play or things had to the best for the basketball IQ part of my game, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. No, and, and and that's great that you were able to, and that's a challenge that a lot of players can't overcome. And that's why a lot of guys um, and girls end up bouncing around two or three schools yeah. trying to find a place. Um, but it's great that it worked out for you. What was your best college basketball memory? Oh, it was definitely um, my junior year. We were um, playing at home, and we had a huge crowd that game, probably 6,000. Um, and we were playing Marquette, who was ranked. And, and it's funny that this is my favorite college memory. I didn't even get in the game, but um, we ended up beating them. My best friend on the team um, was one of our best players, and she made the game-winning buzzer beater. Um, it was like an and one, and she made the free throw to beat Marquette by one. Um, right at the buzzer and so that was that was the first time we had beaten a ranked opponent in a number of years um, and it kept us we were undefeated at the time so it kept us undefeated and um, yeah it was it, oh, it was crazy it was one of, definitely my favorite what memory. was and I hate to be that guy that asked what was your career high um, in a game when you were in college I think I had 15 points okay. in a game yeah that's <laughs> yeah I think it was my freshman year and- and just um, for some reference, yeah. <laughs> so people know how great you were in high school, how many points did you end up scoring in your high school career? Yeah, total. total. 
Oh boy. Uh, twenty six hundred. Yeah, I was around there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that was a. I used to put the ball in the basket a lot, and then I ended up. <laughs> then it. Then it. Then it kind of stopped. <laughs> Uh, it happens uh different competition and again like you said you played on a good team um help found other ways and that's another challenging thing is players to adapt and find other ways to help like you said playing better defense um you know helping Mm -hmm. in practice giving good looks and pushing the starters um every day in practice definitely helps and is an underrated aspect of um, the the college level you don't see it in high school there's not enough depth in high school um, right, for practices right. to actually help and push starters but you know in college when you got 12 players who are all elite um, definitely is a big mm-hmm. big change if people are dogging in practice it's noticeable uh, let's let's push now post career and a question mm-hmm. for you that I have is in a situation where your senior year would have gotten canceled, uh, such as this year. Um, for the spring athletes, would you have chosen to come back for another year if your season got cut short or didn't happen um, post-graduation? Well, that's a good question. Um, yeah, personally, I don't think I would. Um, I guess because, I mean, I'm in grad school now, so – I'm still going to school. So I guess it's possible that I would have just in order to get another year of school paid for. But as far as just basketball wise, four years is plenty (laughs) for me. I did not, I would not have wanted another year. Um, But I mean, that's just me. I just can't imagine those, the athletes that, that have got cut short. I mean, my sister was one of them. She runs track in college, so she missed her outdoor season, but um, yeah, it's just so tough, especially for the seniors. I, I can't imagine. Now, post basketball, what is what is your future? Your, you mentioned your mom coaches. I know your dad's an official; mm-hmm. he's very involved in athletics uh, down here. And your sister's a collegiate track runner. What do you see yourself? Um, how do you see yourself getting back into the game post graduation? I definitely. Um, I think I see myself coaching eventually. Um, maybe at the high school level. Um, there's a part of me that I just, I miss, um, I don't necessarily miss playing college basketball, but I miss being in the college basketball environment. So I think there's part of me that wants to go back and be like a director of operations or like work with a team in some aspect, not necessarily coaching, but I just miss being on being on the team. So I might maybe, I, I might do that, you know, after grad school. Um, but I do uh, down the road, I could see myself like coaching, you know, my kids or something like that. For sure. For sure. That's great. Um, <clears throat> do you have any final closing thoughts, any last advice, um, uh, maybe for kids who are getting recruited currently, uh, maybe players who are struggling at their school, um, trying to find the right fit. Um, any last advice that you have, um, before we sign off here? Yeah, sure. I would just say that, well, in the recruiting process, to not get caught up in the size of division one, division two, don't get caught up in that or don't get caught up in, you know, have I ever heard of, have we people heard of this school before? Like people had never heard of New Mexico where I was growing up. So um, it's not about, you know, the size of the school or the name of the school, because, you know, you could be going to a a big school, but I don't know if you're riding the bench, then you're probably not really going to be enjoying it. Um, 
yeah, so go where you fit in with the players and with the coaches. Um, and if you are struggling, I don't know. I think that it's important to not give up easily. So keep working hard. Um, but at the same time, you know, if it's not the right fit for you, if you're miserable, then I don't know, transfer. If you transfer to another <laughs> school, it, it's, it could be a positive. Um, it just, I don't know. It depends on the situation. Okay. Great, great, great. Yeah. Uh, last question for you. What was the biggest school that you had an offer from? Um, biggest, like, school size-wise would be New Mexico. But then I got I had an offer from um, Penn in Ivy League. Okay. And that they would have been, like, they were winning the Ivy League. So they would have been, like, the best team probably. Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, Emily, thanks again for joining us. Um, great dialogue. Great, great advice great points that you made um i appreciate um you taking time out of your busy grad school day um, <laughs> oh, yeah for your old pal here um <laughs> thanks to those who are listening make sure you give us a follow at chop shop sports on instagram and check out our website at www.chopshopsportsnetwork.com um leave us feedback on what you think of the show um and the page uh, thanks again for listening emily thanks for joining yeah thanks for having um, me